Chapter Zero of the Fortunes of Glencore. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Fortunes of Glencore by Charles James Lever. Preface I am unwilling to suffer this tale to leave my hands without a word of explanation to my reader. If I have never disguised from myself the grounds of any humble success I have attained to as a writer of fiction, if I have always had before me the fact that to movement and action, the stir of incident, and a certain light-heartedness and gaiety of temperament, more easy to impart to others than to repress in oneself, I have owed much, if not all, of whatever popularity I have enjoyed. I have yet felt, or fancied that I felt, that it would be in the delineation of very different scenes, and the portraiture of very different emotions, that I should reap what I would reckon as a real success. This conviction, or impression, if you will, has become stronger with years and with the knowledge of life. Years have imparted, and time has but confirmed me in. The notion that any skill I possess lies in the detection of character, and the unravelment of that tangled skein which makes up human motives. I am well aware that no error is more common than to mistake one's own powers. Nor does anything more contribute to this error than a sense of self-depreciation for what the world has been pleased to deem successful in us. To test my conviction, or to abandon it as a delusion forever, I have written the present story of Glencore. I make but little pretension to the claim of interesting, as little do I aspire to the higher credit of instructing. All I have attempted, all I have striven to accomplish, is the faithful portraiture of character, the close analysis of motives, and the correct observation as to some of the manners and modes of thought which mark the age we live in. Opportunities of society, as well as natural inclination, have alike disposed me to such studies. I have stood over the game of life very patiently for many a year, and though I may have grieved over the narrow fortune which has prevented me from cutting in, I have consoled myself by the thought of all the anxieties defeat it might have cost me, all the chagrin I had suffered were I to have risen a loser. Besides this, I have learned to know and estimate what are the qualities which win success in life, and what the gifts by which men dominate above their fellows. If, in the world of well-bred life, the incidents and events be fewer, because the friction is less than in the classes where vicissitudes of fortune are more frequent, the play of passion, the moods of temper, and the changeful varieties of nature are often very strongly developed, shadowed, and screened, though they be by the polished conventionalities of society. To trace and mark these has long constituted one of the pleasures of my life. If I have been able to impart even a portion of that gratification to my reader, I will not deem the effort in vain, nor the fortunes of Glencore a failure. Let me add that although certain traits of character in some of the individuals of my story may seem to indicate sketches of real personages, there is but one character in the whole book drawn entirely from life. This is Billy Trainer. Not only have I had a sitter for this picture, but he is alive and hearty at the hour I am writing. For the others they are purely, entirely fictitious. 
certain details, certain characteristics, I have, of course, borrowed, as he who would mold a human face must needs have copied an eye, a nose, or a chin from some existent model. But beyond this I have not gone, nor indeed have I found in all my experience of life, that fiction ever suggests what has not been implanted unconsciously by memory, originality and the delineation of character being little beyond a new combination of old materials derived from that source. I wish I could as easily apologize for the faults and blemishes of my story as I can detect and deplore them. But, like the failings in one's nature, they are very often difficult to correct, even when acknowledged. I have, therefore, but to throw myself once more upon the indulgence which, old offender that I am, has never forsaken me, and subscribe myself. Your devoted friend and servant, C. L. End of chapter 0